everyone. Welcome to Potluck Food Talks. Today we're going to talk about tapas. Yeah, tapas. So what's the deal with tapas? What is the deal with tapas? What do you usually order when you go to a Spanish restaurant? So th there's a few things that I can like safely say that if they're on a menu in a Spanish place, I will always, always order them, especially if it's the first time that I go there. Without a fail, if there are croquetas on the menu, I will order them, like especially the traditional ones, croquetas de jamón. What, what are croquetas de jamón? Croquetas de jamón, I mean, a very, very quintessential Spanish dish made from a bechamel base with jamón ibérico in a breadcrumb crust, you know, a little fried, fried balls. Yeah, it's basically a, a jamón bechamel like in a crust. Yeah. I, I love croquetas as well. I think well, one of the, the best I, I've had, a little bit of, of stock was added instead of milk to the bechamel, like half-half. Oh, yeah. And also, like, there were brown on the inside. There was, like, super caramelized onions, even a little bit of uh, tomato paste and Japanese soy sauce, which is completely not non-traditional. What the fuck? <laughs> so this was, like, pure umami, and it was amazing, man. It was really good. That sounds really good. Where was that? This was in Onegin in Berlin. Oh, really? That sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's a it's a must-have, you know? And it's probably also like, I will go to places that I know have good croquetas just to eat croquetas. You know, like if a place has really good croquetas, I'll be like, oh, we have to go there. And then just order croquetas and have everything around it, you know? So yeah, that's definitely a must-have. What I will probably also always order, especially the first time, is a pan tomate, which, I mean, is one of the, the most simple Spanish tapas that, that you can order. Yeah. Literally just toasted pan cristal pan, pan de cristal the Spanish white bread kind of like a ciabatta if you want a reference very crispy very aerated toasted and then often you know you just take a tomato and you grate it on top of the bread and then season it with a bit of salt a bit of olive oil and um, you know uh, often a bit of garlic or and that's it yeah that's it because I've seen people making pan con tomate like in YouTube videos or whatever and then they get super creative and add pepper to it or, or things that are not supposed to go there this is the magic about it is that there are only four ingredients And that's it. I've said I've said many times that uh, I could easily have for my last supper a pan con tomate with jamón because this is this is one of those things uh, that the the ingredients talk for for themselves. So if you have a super good bread, super good tomatoes, super good olive oil, and a super good jamón pata negra, for instance, you don't need anything else. That that's by the way my favorite way of also eating a very good jamón. There are discussions about it. Some people prefer the same thing, but without the tomato. People that are more purists about the taste of the ham. I love it this way. It's. Uh, I totally agree with you. It's one of the most delicious things that I can personally think of. Like, it's one of the best things that I can think of eating. And it's like, I totally agree with you. And I think that that is actually, that sums up real spanish cooking perfectly that it's like all about the quality of the ingredients it's completely completely ingredient focused if you have good bread good olive oil really really poor good tomato and then it's so simple and it's just not overdoing it and then just a really really well-made jamón on the side and that's you know that's for me that's heaven honestly jamón is also a thing that i will probably always order and i think that's it you know like i am also a big fan of anchovies anchoas oh yeah that that's one of those things that you can really tell first time I I, I had anchovies I, I didn't like them you would get this super salty stuff on your pizza that was like why are you doing this yeah 
But then when you try, like, especially the ones you, you find here in north of Spain, like the ones from the Cantabrico, these things are amazing and they don't need anything. You just put it on, on a plate with some olive oil and that's it. Yep. They, they, they speak for, for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, those are the must-haves for sure. And I would say, depending on the time of day, maybe, but also tortilla. Ah, yeah, of course. We spoke about tortilla before, but it really shows you the quality of a place, how good their tortilla is. Also, some good Spanish wines, like the most typical ones, like Rioja or uh, Ribera del Duero, when it comes to reds, or uh, Verdejo, when it comes to, to whites, or Alvariño from Galicia, which is also super nice. Oh, yeah. Chacolí. I mean, these kind of things. Yeah, Alvarino and Chacolí are two of my favorites for sure. They're definitely my go-to. And that kind of ties it together. What the tapas culture actually is, you know, is sort of like grabbing a bite on the go, you know, live on the street, moving from one bar to another. Yeah. What about you? What are your go-tos? Well, as you know, here in, in San Sebastian, they call it pinchos instead of tapas and it's its own thing usually a little bit more elaborated and as you know what i do here is i go from one bar to the next and i know what's special about each specific place which is the whole thing about uh, doing this but uh, if i'm abroad and i'm go to a spanish restaurant besides the one you said boquerones yeah how do you say bo boquerones in english boquerones and toys i mean yeah but like it's not really sardines i guess nah, i know well i guess it's a, La large large anchovies yeah. yeah they're like anchovies but not the the ones brined or salted like the ones you find in in cans but fresh anchovies deep fried and in general fried fish uh, especially in, in the southern Spain and Andalusia, it's a thing. And the, the way the, the fish is fried, uh, like Boquerón is among them, but also calamares rings and all these kind of things. I think these are things that belong to a tapas place, same as the patatas bravas. It's also like a super classical. For sure. Also its own thing with its own discussions about what's the right or wrong way to do the patatas bravas. So what do you think is the right way? I'm, I'm curious because I'm, I'm not entirely sure myself. I mean, for me, it has to be like a super concentrated tomato sauce all up to the point that, that it's almost sweet. But spicy or not spicy? Just a, a tiny bit because uh, Spaniards in general don't like spiciness so much, but just a little bit, it's fine. And I think that that's the right point. And I also like, which is not the the most traditional way, but it's also super common, uh, alioli in, in my patatas bravas. Yeah, is, is it not the, the way to do alioli? Is it usually mayonnaise? No, 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 no. It's, it's usually only the brava sauce. I mean, the most traditional way. Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean, half of the places add alioli to it almost always, yeah. Yeah, because for me, it's like if, if I would order patatas bravas and it would come only with tomato sauce, I'd feel like they forgot. <laughs> forgot to put the aioli on, you know? <laughs> like, for me, it's the mix of, like, having the garlicky, fatty aioli and then the, like, sweet, acidic, spicy tomato sauce that really makes it. And then, of course, like, really nicely nicely fried potatoes. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, the, the potatoes shouldn't be... They shouldn't have, like, too much color. It's also its own thing, that, like, the, the way that potatoes are fried. They, they usually are pre-confited and then fried. And, yeah, like, if you see this potatoes fried uh, uh, until they're like orange, I think that's not the most common way. 
to see them. Mm, yeah. What else? Uh, fried peppers, like padron peppers, usually in other regions here in the Basque country, you get Guernica peppers. I remember once I was working in a, a tapas restaurant in Berlin, and I just, by mistake, said, uh, ah, and this Guernica peppers. Sorry, I mean padron peppers. And the owner was like, what did you just say? Guernica peppers. Oh, let, let's name it like that in the menu. That sounds so artistic, like the painting from Picasso. And I was like, you know that that painting, that painting is about a Nazi bombing. You don't know when to, you know. It's, and you should think about what you're saying. <laughs> Padron peppers. This is also something really nice. They're just fried in oil with some coarse salt on top. And there is this saying that. Randomly, one of every hundred, it's spicy and can be really spicy. But it's just like a lottery. You can get one or not, especially with the Padron ones. I used to love that as a as a kid. Um, always when we used to go to these sorts of places, we would order like one or two plates of Pimiento de Padron. And it was always super exciting to see who would get the spicy one because I really like spicy food. And half of the rest of my family don't like spicy food. So it was always exciting to kind of see when you eat one and it's not spicy, you eat another, it's not not spicy. I feel like these days you don't really get any spicy ones anymore. Yeah, I think the the you don't get all, uh, good ones anymore as well. Like all these peppers, I think they're flavorless. The ones you get like abroad and and like like with any ingredient, if you go to the source and try like like the good ones uh, where they're actually produced, it has no point of com- comparison. And and that happens a lot. I mean, we just talked about pangon tomate. I mean. To, to make a super good pan con tomato, you need to have a super good tomato and super good olive oil and these kind of things. Yeah, for sure. What about, I mean, especially when we're talking about pinchos, what about gildas? Ah, man, I love them. For me, when I when I go to a, a, a pincho tour, both with friends or because I'm guiding a, a tour, I always try to start with with the Hilda because, um, well, a Hilda is just a, a skewer with a... Pepper that is slightly spicy, but not so much. Uh, as I said, Spaniards and Basque don't like spiciness so much, but a little bit is okay. So they harvest it before it's too sunny because the sun usually makes the peppers spicier. Then you have the anchovies and olives. That's it. Just three ingredients. I think that's it. Yeah. And the peppers are pickled. The peppers are pickled. Exactly. So you have just uh, everything in one bite and then you have a good drink of whatever you're drinking. It can be beer or a chacolí. And the combination is amazing. It's a, a, a great way to, to start. Yes, yeah, iconic. I mean, it's like, for me, it, it's like Basque pinchos, you know, it, it's like the most iconic pincho, I think. Yeah, it was the first pincho. Uh, that that was made uh, here in the Basque country because before that you would have like whatever olives or these kind of things like non-elaborated just uh, like an ingredient while you were drinking and this this was uh, the sort of food that was served in bars before the 40s and then there was this guy who was a, a regular client in a place called Bar Valles here in San Sebastian and he would come and, and do this where he would take a skewer and take three different things like an anchovy an olive uh, and a pepper so that and then he started he, he would always do that until it became a, like a standard in that bar and a few years later the, this was during Franco times and as you know San Sebastian is just half an hour from the French border. So people would go to France and they were showing this Rita Hayward movie called Gilda. And the movie had like this 
kind of erotic scene where she would like undress her glove in a very sexy way. And this was the reason they started naming the, the Pincho Hilda, which is the Spanish way of pronouncing Gilda. That's the story of it. Nowadays, it is such a standard that you find Hilda's in the pickle section almost in any supermarket in Spain. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's super, super iconic. I mean, what else? Um, I think like um, things like morcilla and chistora, depending on the time of year. Ensaladilla. That's another one. Ensaladilla, yeah, which is a must. That's also something that I order all the time. The Spanish potato salad, which I mean, in Spanish is called ensaladilla rusa, which means Russian salad, which is uh, which is really funny. Yeah. There are also other very of ensaladilla rusa, I think in Argentina, but it's its own thing. But it's, it comes back to this oliviera salad, this kind of uh, mayonnaise potato salad that has many variations in many countries. But the one that is done in Spain is usually, uh, well, you have some vegetables, you have uh, like sweet peas and carrots and boiled egg, dices of potatoes, tuna, everything mixed, and, and a lot of mayonnaise. And sometimes you would get like anchovies on top or olives or these kind of things as well. I remember one I really liked, you know, El, El Cano, this fish restaurant in, in Guetaria, has like a, a smaller restaurant. I don't know if, if it's still open. That was called El Cano Chiqui. And it was their, yeah. their pincho bars. And I, I had an ensaladilla there. And I'm sure they did someone with the brine of the olives. Like they probably mix the mayonnaise with it or something. Because you could really taste like this well-condimented, briny flavor of olives all over the salad. And it was amazing. That sounds delicious. Because I mean, like if you get sort of like average ensaladillas, you know, they're kind of like a little bit under seasoned. They're just kind of like potato and mayonnaise. They don't really have enough salt, enough vinegar. So that, yeah, that sounds really, really good. What about the fish preserves that are quite common? Usually a lot of people think that when something is canned, it's bad. Something that is tinned uh, that comes out of, of a can. But you get really high quality preserved uh, seafood uh here in Spain, especially in the north. Well, we, we talked about anchovies, but uh, bonito is very common, the one you put on the ensaladilla. Yeah. But also all kinds of clams and, and this, this type of things. Mm, yeah, mejillones, mussels, especially in like, um, in like this really intense red oil. They are absolutely amazing. And it's just like you say, you know, like people, uh, when people come from a sort of like food culture where canned food is, you know, like relatively poor quality, it's, it's a little bit of a surprise to them to have something like seafood which is already like a very fragile product put into cans and then just kind of opened and eating and, and eaten as it is you know like cooked mussels out of oil straight out of oil but you know it's kind of like with tomatoes in italy really high quality canned tomatoes harvested at the peak of their ripeness and then sort of like preserved to preserve the like full flavor that they have in that moment you know and like you say, you know, things like ventresca de bonito, which is, you know, the sort of belly part of tuna in, you know, high quality oil is is a delicacy, you know. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's probably one, one of the best uh, ways of eating. La, like the way people usually know tuna, that is this canned tuna. Well, that that's... Uh, the best way to eat that kind of, of, of elaboration. Another one is uh, pulpo a feira. Oh, yeah. Traditional way to make pulpo in, in Galicia. And it's, again, something so simple. The, the 
Bulbo has to be cooked up until it's tender. Then you have potatoes, olive oil, and paprika powder. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Just a few grains of salt. And that's it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe some like good olive oil, you know, and like that's it. But um, yeah, I mean, it usually gets cooked in these big copper pots, no? And again, it's it's fully, fully ingredient driven. And it's it's got all of these dishes. They have such a strong... Uh, sense of terroir and region, you know, the local seafood, the pimiento from, you know, it's, it's so quintessentially Spanish, right? And it's like so from there. That's why it's, you know, Spanish restaurants around the world, like there's just these key ingredients that you have to have. Otherwise, it would be impossible, you know, because this like identity from like connecting food to the land and to the the local identity is so incredibly strong. Yeah, that, that's again interesting because Spanish restaurants, like let's say you open a tapas bar in, let's say, New York, it will have elements from many different regions. When in Spain, that's not so common. You go to a tapas place and they have, they don't even think too much about it. You know, you you will have like meatballs and you get just something while you're having a beer and are these traditional dishes and that's it. It's something very, very informal, very not, not, not non-pretentious at all. While abroad, if you go to a Spanish restaurant, they have like the best of every region. Like you will have pulpo, something Catalan, something Basque, something Andalusian, something from, from the center of Spain. And yeah, I think that that's interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's impossible to think that you would open a Spanish restaurant anywhere and not have jamón on the menu, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a good platter of, of, of different cold cuts, not only jamón, also lomo, chorizo, encina, this kind of of things are really nice. Cool. That gives us another episode. That's it for this week's episode of Potluck Food Talks. If you like what we're doing, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok as Potluck Food Talks. The show airs every Monday.